Hi there, and welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. This is the podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from around the world. And in this episode, I'm talking with Lori McNee, who's an exceptional landscape artist based in Idaho in the United States. Now, Lori works both on plein air and in the studio, and she's built quite a following on social media as well. Now, I originally met Laurie about a year ago in the South Island of New Zealand, and we had a lot to talk about, not only with art and painting, but also the business side of art. So it's been quite a while that I've wanted to have her on the podcast and pick her brains about the business side, and especially what are some of those things that we can do in the face of the current global situation. Now, whilst there might be cause for concern, there are still opportunities out there. We still have some way that we can derive an income from our creativity. And inevitably, in these sorts of situations, there are opportunities. Many of them come about through crisis. Now, I wanted to pick Lori's brain about this as well. And here's some strategies about how we might continue to thrive and continue to run our creative businesses as artists and face those challenges head on. So without further ado, here's Lori McNee in The Creative Endeavor. Welcome to the Creative Endeavor podcast. It is an absolute pleasure to have you here. Um, let's kick things off. Uh, again, well, I don't want to spend a huge amount of time dwelling on this, but I just want to ask, how are you doing over there in Idaho in, in the face of what we're all going through here globally? How's this been for you? What are some of the things that you're thinking about? And what are some of the things that you're doing creatively while this is all going on? Well, thanks for having me today, and um, thanks for asking how I'm doing. Um, it's been a really strange couple months, for sure. And our little valley uh, where I live has been hit really hard with the coronavirus. And I was telling you before we went on the air that um, we have over 500 cases with only 20,000 population in, in our um, Blaine County. And we've made national and international news and uh, that's not the kind of news that we <laughs> want to be known for. But we are a resort community. And so during the winter, we have people coming and going. It's very international here. And uh, people from Seattle have second homes. And, you know, I think that is probably where it started. And um, and it's it's been kind of interesting. Our, our mayor sequestered us pretty early ahead of the curve, so to speak. So we've been in lockdown for the most part, like the rest of the world. And um, luckily, we live in the beautiful mountains here. So I am able to get outside and go hike every day and take my dogs out, um, which is much nicer than a lot of people have it. So I'm pretty grateful for where I live right now. Yeah, it, there's something to be said for living in the countryside. I, I can kind of relate, even though we're under yes. kind of... Uh, 
well, house arrest, so to speak, and and this self-isolation and quarantine, um, at least, you know, we've been very fortunate here, Rachel and I, to be able to go for walks. And, you know, there's only about 500 people in our town anyway, but just nearby, we've got forest and some mountains and stuff that we can go. Right. Well, hills, anyway, the mountains are a little further away. But yes. it, there, <laughs> it's something to be said for getting outside and getting some sunshine. And a, a lot of people, they're just like, I, I, my heart goes out to people that are stuck in, in apartments in places like Italy that just all they have is their Absolutely. balcony if they have that i know you know it's, i know yeah i know and um and again why i'm so grateful but we still have our hardships as far as um i don't get to see my family members that live in this town much at all um my grandchildren uh you know i wave through the window or i have kind of been a little bit more bold lately and i've taken walks but we stand about 20 feet apart and so um, even though we have more elbow room in the mountains to be able to get out, we still are struggling with the same social issues that everybody else is struggling with. So, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely changed. You also asked how it's affecting you know, my art life, and it's definitely changed. And so many of my events have been canceled and workshops are canceled, or I keep pushing them back and... Um, and we'll see what happens. I'm supposed to take a group to South Africa in September. And so we're going to hold off until May and uh, reevaluate and make the decision. But there's a good chance we will have to push it to 2021, 2021, excuse me. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and again, different events and, and my shows. I had a show uh, in May up in Montana I'm not able to continue with right now. So. Yeah, it's a bit challenging. Wow. I, I've been thinking for a while, like, how how will artists um, survive this in terms of, um, you know, the, the, the bigger picture and the years to come? Because anytime we have any sort of global situation or any hit to the economy, uh, it sends ripples out. And art is one of those things, unfortunately, along with things like automobiles and jewelry and boats and all sorts of things. Right. It's the things that, that we don't Luxury need. Items. Yeah, the things that we don't yes. need for our survival and, and daily life. These these issues, uh, the, the, these situations normally knock those sorts of things out. How do you feel going into this and and looking at the the impending economic situations and fallout from this what are you thinking about some of the things that you might do um to prepare yourself or maybe still like maintain your art career maintain your creativity what what are you thinking about there so i'm already starting to pivot um which i did if you recall back in 2008 we had another crash and uh that was a really interesting time for me personally because i had just overcome uh, you know went through a divorce in 2007 i was an empty nester on the verge of that um finding myself uh alone in the house and then the stock market crashes so the real estate market crashed so art wasn't selling and it was a scary time and so i discovered blogging back then and um, that's when I started my blog, finearttips.com, which I still have, and started blogging. And, and then I discovered social media back then because I knew once I started a blog, I needed to get my message out there because when you start a blog, it's like, who's going to find me, you know? And then I remembered Twitter, uh, seeing that when I had signed up 
on Facebook back then, which my kids were mortified about back then. Um, <laughs> but I, I discovered Twitter and the tagline back then, I think it was, what are you doing right now? And I understood right away what that meant. Um, I put my new blog post in there with a little 140 tweet. And uh, within a uh, probably a year or so, I was one of the top 100 women on the world in Twitter on Twitter. And so, yeah, it was really cool. And I was able to sustain that momentum for quite a few years. And um, I was invited to tweet the red carpet events. You know, I was at the BAFTA awards and, and the um, Oscars and fun things, but I had to start to make a, an important decision. Was I going to be a social media personality that painted part-time or was I going to be an artist that did social media part-time. And so I, cho I chose the latter and that's what I've been continuing. And um, so I've had fine art tips and then I have continued with my professional art career. And uh, I still do some keynote speaking and do events and things. Um, I'm an ambassador artist like you are for products and things and use social media to promote myself and them. So I've been able to figure out other ways to monetize other than just selling art. Um, and it all kind of works together and helps sell art as well. But um, I was starting a, um, a new addition to Fine Art Tips, which is called the 2020 Club. And my partners and I, um, I, I'm bringing in my gurus, my social media manager and my website um, manager. And we were going to start this club to, to help artists and um, kind of create a forum and that sort of thing. But now it has new meaning. We, we, we were thinking going into this new decade, but all of a sudden with this craziness over the past couple months, we've completely already started to, like I said, pivot. And um, so we're going to be announcing the 2020 Club, and we're hoping next week to do a live webinar for free and invite people to come. And we're going to share as many tips on what artists can do, exactly kind of what you're basically asking me, to um, stay relevant, stay alive, stay seen, um, how we can get through this hard time, and to prepare if maybe it lasts longer than we might be expecting. And so um, that's the beginnings of what I'm beginning to do to help others and, and myself too. <laughs> what are some of the things you're going to be talking about in this webinar? Well, it'll be about, again, how, you know, artists are freaking out. Creative people are freaking out. And so many people are reaching out to me because I've had fine art tips for a, lot, a long time now, over 10 years, and have been sharing these social media tips, branding, marketing. So um, they're hoping I have the magic bullet, which I don't, but I'm going to dig deep and get as much information for people as possible. Um, but some need the bare bones, like what kind of hashtags? What, how do you even do hashtags? What's, what's the best hashtag to use for what I'm um, sharing, what content, what platform. So we're going to even start there. And then we're going to talk across the different platforms, Twitter, Instagram, probably not as much Facebook, almost everybody's doing Facebook, but we're going to talk about Twitch and, you know, streaming, Zoom, Skype, 
things like that and uh, and blogging and the importance of blogging and, and some tips. So my social media manager, um, he's been on the Forbes uh, top 10 in the world, top social media um, personalities, and, and he really knows his business. So he's going to, he's got a lot up his sleeve and um, I'll probably be being like you, moderating it more than anything. And then my um, webmaster, he's a WordPress guru and understands all the different platforms too. And so we're gonna, going to be chatting and giving as many tips as possible. And then we're going to open it up to questions. And so we'll do our best to answer people. That's wonderful. I, I think now more than ever, if people have been resisting for some time about getting onto social media and sharing their work online, I think now more than ever, uh, it's imperative that they do that. I, yeah, there's absolutely. something something about these events that happen. I mean, I don't want to cause people to be afraid or panic. It's just a reset. It's just a change in the environment. Um, that said, I do. I, I still have this thing niggling at me here, Lori, um, when it comes to fine art, because as artists, as painters or people that draw, maybe maybe sculpt, as, as creating a, an item of fine art, it's still nice to have some home for that work of art. You still, you, there's always that thing in the back of my mind, at least, I've got a nice painting here I've just finished. Sure, I've been able to digitize it and create a how-to video from that. I've been able to make a post. I've been able to do all sorts of other things to diversify and kind of spread out a little bit. Maybe I've got a print or whatever, but I still have a painting. I really do want to sell that painting. Is there yeah, still absolutely. an opportunity to find a buyer in this yes. sort of situation? Yes, of course. Um, and there are people that are still going to be able to afford to buy art, but it's, uh, you know, of course the galleries are closed right now and most of the galleries are scrambling just like the artists <laughs> to, to get their names out there and the artists work out there, which is going to continue. Um, and they're kind of recreating the way they're doing business and reinventing and all of that as well. But art is going to sell. And I'm seeing cool things on Instagram. I don't know if you've seen, um, I don't know the hashtag by heart. I can look it up. But it started in the UK with an artist um, where you sell individual works, smaller pieces, um, for under $200. And once you've accrued $1,000, then you're supposed to go support one of those artists and then buy one of theirs for 200. And so people are selling tons of art just for $200, little tiny paintings. And I'm thinking of jumping on board and testing that out just a little bit. And it's good bread and butter money. I mean, that's that's not, you know, huge windfall of money, but it's nice. And people are, are chipping away and um, selling smart that way. Uh, the, the galleries are doing online, uh, sales. And I just talked to a friend of mine who's from Jackson Hole, and he said that uh, Tom, who's the um, the wildlife photographer that's so famous, Tom Mangelson, I think's his name. But anyway, he just sold like a $20,000 print yesterday or something, just craziness. So um, things are selling and they will. And I'm sure that things are going to change we're going to get back on track eventually for sure. So, but we just have to be creative right now in how we're doing business. Well, I, I think those, those items that are, that are the lower price point items are, are really a, a good place to put focus at the moment. But I, I also think just, just on a personal level, I mean, I, I have 
been very fortunate, blessed in my career to um, have gotten some pretty, pretty decent commissions and, and uh, some really high profile clients who have kept me kind of working. Uh, and there's a few of these people that and I know that there's going to be a handful of people on that list that at the end of this, despite the economic fallout, yeah, look, they're going to lose a lot, millions and millions and millions of dollars, but they're still going to have hundreds of millions of dollars. So they still might go, well, you know, I've got an empty wall or I want to buy this gift for somebody or I want to, you know, finally have a portrait of me painted or something. There's going to be something. Uh, but it's just Absolutely. a question of like also. So so I think we're going to see we're going to have an expansion in the lower portion of the market. But I still think there's still the top of the market there. And I'm thinking about ways to actually reach both of those simultaneously. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like I said at the beginning, I live in an affluent community, a, a resort community, Sun Valley. It's a ski resort. And um, a lot of people with a lot of money live here. And everyone's a bit concerned about this, of course. But there's a lot of construction that we had a they had stopped construction, but they opened it back up on Monday and there's tons going on. People are still building. There's new walls going up and people will need art and art is a beautiful thing. And, you know, it's a, it's a window to your imagination and people still will want to surround themselves with beauty. And so I do feel the same way that you do. I think um, kind of the, the middle section is maybe where we probably will struggle the most so um, I agree either the high end or the smaller art that's more impulse item will do better. Look, we, the, we, we might be jumping around a little bit here, Lori. Um, forgive me. I, that's okay. I, I want to <laughs> I, I I hear more <laughs> about uh, how, you, how you first started out on your creative journey. Can we, can we actually go back to the beginning? We'll put the current global situation to one side, the economic <laughs> okay. fallout, all that I stuff. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear now about how, how did you get your start creatively? And, you know, did you go to art school? Did you train? And, and you know, how did you end up becoming, you know, where you are, the, the Laurie McNee that we can see today and admire? <laughs> Yeah, thanks. Um, so, I mean, as far as I can remember, I always was drawing as a little girl. And I um, grew up in the Southwest the first part of my life and was really intrigued with nature and animals and um, and uh, Native American culture and that sort of thing. And um, I was around a lot of cowboy art. And uh, I just loved art from a young age. And and then birds, and I used to try and capture birds, and there's an old wives' tale, if you sprinkle salt on a bird's tail, it can't fly, so I used to run around with a salt shaker when I was a little girl, and then I'd make little traps and try and try and capture them, because I was always intrigued with them, and I used to, um, I used to help injured birds that would flock to our yard in Arizona, because it's a big, big birding mecca, but um, eventually that, I got frustrated with, you know, you you can't keep a wild bird. So I started drawing and painting birds at a young age. And uh, and then I progressed from um, that to where I was a young mom. And in between uh, loads of laundry and during the kids' nap time, I would create. And I painted with acrylics back then. And I worked with uh, some very famous, um, well-known wildlife artists, uh, Robert Bateman, John Siri Lester, Carl Brinders, Vivi Crandall, some of the top, 
and mentored with them and uh, became a wildlife artist. And I, I worked for organizations like the Nature Conservancy, and um, I did a lot of illustrations for the Wolf Education Research Center, helped um, reintroduce the wolves and uh, illustrated for them and, and uh, Ducks Unlimited and other organizations. And I did that up until um, about the year 2000. And, and wildlife art was kind of falling out of favor a little bit. And I wanted to paint in acrylics back then because my home studio with the kids and you know turpentine and all of that. But then I discovered water mixable oils. And that was um, the late 1990s. Um, and around the year 2000, I made the switch from focusing on wildlife portraiture to wanting to paint more landscapes and then still life. And my work really took a change in my career, took off then um, and uh, back into the galleries and um, kind of that's been the path I've been on since about 2000, landscape and still life primarily. You mentioned there uh, some really fantastic, unbelievable um, wildlife artists and painters, like people like yeah. Robert Bateman and Brenders. I mean, my goodness, like that would have been so cool to be able to study directly with so those cool. guys. Um, so w was this in a sort of uh, formal art school situation or a, a some sort of program or like what was the structure of that like? Were they taking you through like formal lessons or was it just going to their studio yeah. and they, okay. I did both. And so um, a few of them I worked, um, went to specific workshops, kind of masterclass workshops, very intensive 10 day workshops more than once. And I w I'm really grateful I had that experience because I still had young kids at that time, but my parents were wonderful and they, they understood the importance. I do think it's really important for women to continue to follow their passion while they're still, you know, their children of course come first and mine did. But I cannot tell you how important it has been and how grateful I am that I've had my art career when I went through divorce in the empty nest. Um, I, there's people that go through that that feel lost and don't feel like they have anything. And I had my art career that I was, you know, and still to this day during this quarantine that we're all going through, artists are basically fairly happy people about it because we're used to being by ourselves. We're very happy. I'm busier than ever right now. So anyway, um, so I was very grateful that my parents helped out and um, they would babysit and sometimes they'd even come with me and I'd be able to go work with these esteemed artists during the day and then be with the kids at night and in the mornings and stuff. And so it just was um, different for each um, instructor I was working with, but I went multiple times with Robert Bateman and, um, and John Siri Lester and Carl Brinders, in fact, and then Vivi Crandall um, is a woman, uh, she's no longer around, but she was a really fabulous um, gal from Germany and such a character, and she lived in uh, Wyoming, Casper, and uh, we went there for a week, and I camped out side in a trailer and worked with her so some intense you know real intense learning with them and uh, learned how to paint feathers and fur and eyes and uh, and it's something that I've continued in my work still to this day that's awesome I, I I'm still yeah. I'm still working on Robert Bateman by the way to get him on the podcast uh, I'm My still goodness. still trying <laughs> 
It'd be, oh, how fabulous. That would be wonderful. It'd be so cool to get in touch. I, I, I did have his number and I, I had called him previously, but I, it, I think before it just got a little bit too technical for them. So I'm going to reach out again. If Robert's oh, listening, I'm, I'm still, I'm not giving up, dude. <laughs> Hi, Robert, if you're listening. <laughs> I haven't talked to him in probably 20 years. When you, when you first started selling your work and you first had, um, you know, when, when you, when you started, you know, you stepped out on the stage as a professional having trained then with these, you know, masters, where did you begin? Did you, did you start just selling one-on-one or did you start going through a gallery? What was that like for you? Well, so back in the 80s was the first time I was in a, a real gallery, and it was just for a very short time. My kids, again, were very young, and I primarily back then was just drawing um, and drawing animals, and I sold a few pieces, but I was not able to be prolific back then. And so it was too premature for me to be a professional selling my art um, at that point. So I Uh, pulled my art out and just worked on my craft. And to motivate myself, I would enter the different competitions like Ducks Unlimited or or Duck Stamps, because again, I was focusing on being a wildlife artist or I'd illustrate um, and uh, different exhibitions and things. So I worked on my career that way, but I was not in the galleries until around 2000. when I was making this shift from acrylic to oil and I had bought Kevin McPherson's book, um, light filled paintings, paint, I can't remember the name of it, but, um, uh, Kevin McPherson is a well-known American plein air painter. And I bought his book, which is a really great one. And he challenged the reader to paint a hundred small paintings. And so one summer, while the kids were in soccer and skating and all those things, I would sit on the sidelines and I would paint a painting while they're doing their sports. And I would just sit there and watch, you know, hi, hi, Johnny, whatever, and paint my painting. And um, and by the end of the summer, I had 100 small little six by eights. And I showed them to a friend and she said, geez, Lori, these are really good. And I said, thanks. And she said, you know what? I'd love to show these in my store. And so um, here in Sun Valley, we have some really great galleries, but we also have some very lovely stores. And uh, she had this nice retail store and gave me a show. So I, I framed up everything. And then I also had done one little still life. I had just started painting still life and it had a little bird and I hung that and I ended up um, having a show opening reception the same night as gallery walk when all the galleries were busy. This was like the glory days, you know, and tons of people on the streets. And uh, I ended up selling almost everything. And so I walked down um, a few days later to Neyland Gallery and I went in and said, hey, you know, um, I'm Lori McNee and uh, lived here you know, many years and and used to show my work back in the 80s for a short period of time. And this was a new director. Um, and I said, I'm ha- I'm having a show that it almost is sold out. And I just, before everything goes to their new homes, would you like to come see it? And she goes, oh, sure. So let me close up and I'll walk down with you. So she came into the gallery, or not gallery, but into the store. And she really liked everything. And, and she said, oh, my goodness, 
I would love to represent you and I want more still life like that with the little bird. And so that's kind of how that happened. And uh, we just have had a wonderful rapport. They're like family to me. And um, I've been there for, you know, 20 years now, basically. And then from there, um, advertising in the uh, various magazines, I'd get discovered by other galleries that would ask, um, you know, for me to show with them. I've also... I've written about this, you know, how to find a gallery, how to find the right gallery. There's different ways of doing it. That's one way is what I said. And I've also um, forced myself on a gallery before, and I've decided that's not the right thing to do. <laughs> so um, one time I just really wanted this gallery. And uh, they were down in Utah, and I felt like it was a really good fit. And I took some art down there and just walked in the doors. And it was a husband and wife. And the husband really liked my work, and the wife was more cool, lukewarm on it. And then he said, oh, honey, let's let's give it a whirl, and da-da-da. Well, they ended up getting divorced later, and, and my work was sent back to me. But it was a good lesson because I learned that you really want the gallery, the director, the owner to be excited. You want the person representing you to really be an advocate because they're your business partner. And I want them to really get behind you and feel really good and confident about what you're doing and your vision. And, and so that was a valuable lesson. So now I wait um, and just wait until the right chemistry happens. So I did learn that. <laughs> there's, there's something to be said for working with people where you've got that bond and trust and rapport and, and chemistry, as you put it. Um, I, I can relate. I, I was very fortunate early on in my career to find a gallery um, run by two wonderful people, uh, Colin and Gay Dixon, um, amazing people in, in Perth and Western Australia. And I remember as well, like there, there was this moment where a, a customer or a potential client came in and um, my agent Colin was was talking up the work and just really, you know, singing its praises. And this guy turned around to him and said, well, do you own any? Do, you know, you're trying to sell it to me. Do you have any? And he <laughs> exactly. just looked at him and he just said, yes, of course. I've bought several. And I was like, you know, when he told me that, I was like, yes, Colin, excellent. And That's he wasn't just cool. saying that. Like these guys yeah. like seriously collected my work as well. They were just like, yeah. you know, they, they'd buy little pieces, some medium-sized pieces. And, you know, they've got like, you go to their place, they got some of my paintings just everywhere. <laughs> it's awesome to see. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. That's a great compliment. But um, it, no, it's, it's good to work with people where you've got that, that chemistry. Um, so when you're making your approach, let's say, Let's say now, again, I, I, I think everything, the situation again is, is, is yeah. coloring everything now. If you're Definitely. a young up and coming or maybe somebody that's finding their feet creatively, you know, now later in life and you want to get represented through a gallery, what would be the approach that you would, you would make? What would be the kind of the directives or the instructions that you would give to somebody just starting out? How, how would they go about finding representation? Well, so there's different ways. Again, most galleries have kind of their guidelines listed on their website. So um, first of all, I would decide what genre of art you have, you know, like what, what style that, that you, um, that your own style, understand who you are and, and what your style is and, if, you know, oil, are you traditional, are you contemporary or what? 
and then try and think what galleries would maybe be a good fit and also your pricing and and your maturity level as far as where you are in your career, that sort of thing. And then do some research on the different galleries that you find and what what their recommendations are, what they're looking for, if they are. Most galleries will say, will say they're not looking for artists, but I guarantee they're always looking for a, a artists that they feel strongly that they have a that they really like the work and that they are going to be able to sell you. They will take on a new artist if they believe that about you. So I would look at the guidelines on their individual web websites and see what that is. And back in the day, they used to want you to mail in a DVD, you know, one of those or CD disc or whatever. And that's kind of old school now. And um, but just read what they're asking and then you can decide if you want to follow their guidelines that way, you know, again, um, I did kind of a back door before where I had a show down the road, which that worked out really well for me and then invite the director to come down and on her lunch break, she went and looked. And so, you know, just you have to think outside the box a little bit. It's always good if you're going to kind of go knock on the doors, literally um, beat the street, have a couple paintings tucked under your arm, even walk in the door and you can show it to them. That's kind of um, a bit assertive, but I know it works. And I know a lot of artists that have um, made that happen. So the squeaky wheel gets greased, um, especially now. So, um, but I would say it's a good idea to kind of make sure that you're going into the right gallery. You know, there's, there's an example that I like to give in Scottsdale, I was represented for a while by a gallery down there um, until they had troubles um, and the gallery closed. But it worked out. It was a, it was an unusual gallery where you might not think that an artist would be interested in hanging. And it was a, a, a place that sold primarily vessels, like glass-blown um, vessels and beautiful ceramics and things. And I had been walking around Scottsdale, and I noticed this, and I was really drawn to it because I'm a still life artist and I paint beautiful faces. And so um, I went in and looked around. I said, you guys have a lot of empty walls. And uh, and they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we do. And I said, have you ever thought about having a two-dimensional artist hang alongside your beautiful vessels? And they ended up taking me on. And I did real well with them for a while. So just kind of thinking, like I said, outside the box. And uh, it's worked well for me. There's always there's always another way around, isn't there? There's always some yes. way, you know. So it's it's fun asking other artists that question because there is that, um, you know, there is that standard kind of approach where we do kind of we you look at the instructions and the the gallery is like just don't just show up. But I've had I've had <laughs> uh, like the 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 best the best gallery I ever found and, and the the best relationship I ever had re professionally was me just showing up with a folio and just and not See? booking an appointment. So there you go. <laughs> I know. But it, Sorry, it's, galleries. <laughs> yeah, but it's always um it, it's always interesting just hearing that um yeah there there's more than one way around this. I think though if I, if I may just insert this as well um into the conversation I, I think there's something to be said for persistence. Because one of the things yes. I found is that I heard the word no a lot more than I heard yes. I got no Absolutely. probably, it, it was about 10 to 1 
you know, yeah. th thinking back. And that's and pretty it's, good. Well, yeah, it, it, sometimes more, <laughs> uh, but but that was certainly the norm is people going, no, sorry, we're not interested. Oh, we're not looking at your new artist right now or whatever. I'll, say, I'll, be, I'll be back. Right. I'll be back again. And, yeah. You know, sometimes I would turn up again. <laughs> sometimes I wouldn't. I know. But yeah. Yeah, I know exactly. As I'm t sharing my story and uh, you're talking about yours, I, I remember I've, I've dealt with more rejection in my career than um, acceptance, honestly. And you just, that's kind of where you cut the mustard. You know, a lot of people give up because. It is, you have to develop a thick skin and you have to, even in social media, if you care about what everybody's saying, you're going to have your haters and naysayers and you just have to be true to yourself, be true to your voice and, um, and stay the course and believe in yourself. And if you truly believe in yourself, if you can sell yourself, that's the most important thing. Um, people are going, it, it, it'll be contagious. And people will want to be around you and your art. I I had the um you know I had the 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 privilege and, and pleasure of meeting you in person when you came to yes, uh, Queenstown um maybe maybe two years ago now it was you were here a little while it was ago last year actually last, last year March. oh yeah. okay okay so not that yeah. long ago okay no, and um. Sure. And, you know, I, I, there was something about you then, Laurie, and, and still I can, I can feel that coming through the screen now. You do seem to have this kind of magnetic way about you. And, and you know, I, I imagine that, that part of that personality and part of, you know, putting yourself out there, that's got to be vitally important for the artist. I, I, I don't know. Is that something... Is that something you think you could teach other people? Is that something that you think... Um, you know, maybe other artists these days are missing because that's that's something I've thought about a bunch. It's like a lot of people are, have lost it. The gigs up even before they've tried. I mean, and, and right. like it, it comes down to an attitude thing. Let, let me give you an example. I'm asking this question very, very poorly. My apologies. But <laughs> let, let's 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 look at let's look at social media, for example. Right. And making an approach or, or a pitch and putting yourself out there to people on social media. I have so many people uh, emailing me going, I, I want to get out there. I want to show my work. But at the same time, I hate social media because I don't want it to be all about me or I feel uncomfortable or whatever. How do you get through to those people and, and kind of guide them and say, hey, look, this is what you got to sell yourself. You got to put yourself out there and you got to do it in a positive, loving, fun, friendly way. Right. Well, I've been doing that since 2009 with um, my blog and, and my work on social media. And I actually am a real shy person. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, but it, I really was growing up. Um, I mean, around family and friends, I wasn't, but I almost passed out every time I had to get up in front of a crowd in high school and had to give a speech. And I'll tell you, it's something, again, you know, good things come out of bad. And when I went through a divorce, um, I, I, it was a really good time for me to grow and reinvent myself. And I decided I was tired of being afraid of things. And so I just started taking on challenges and speaking in front of people. And now I really enjoy it. And I love helping others. I, I find, um, I have a lot of uh, purpose, like 
when this whole crisis has been happening, I feel really compelled that I want to help people to the best of my ability. I don't have all the answers, but I know I know more than a lot of people. And so, and then I'm going to have people that know more than me. And I just think that it's really important for me to share. And, and one of the things I have shared is how to get yourself out there and how to do social media and, and um, how to use it. But it is about we, it's not just about me. And if we can make a shift to not just think of it in a narcissistic way, um, some platforms are more narcissistic than others. Um, and Instagram's one of them that um, is, it seems like it is more about us. But if you, if you can, um, you can think of clever ways of wording your uh, explanation, like uh, your um, contact content that you're uploading along with the image and make it relatable to the person instead of it just being, oh, here's my latest painting, eight by 10, it costs $575 or whatever, you know, that gets old for people. But if you can make it like really interesting, um, a fun, couple sentences with the right hashtags and engage people in uh, conversation and answer them back and forth. Um, you start building up your following, you build up your confidence too. Um, then you're not feeling like it is just about me. You're feeling like you're having a conversation. And back in the day, I used to say, because I, I got a real big start on Twitter, um, early adopter. And like I said, ended up being at the top of the food chain there for quite a while, which was really cool. Um, but again, we always said that Twitter's more like a cocktail party because everything goes so quickly there. Uh, you know, tweets just go by and it's, ac it's actually rather hard to keep up with Twitter, um, but it is very powerful. So it's a great way to get your message out there and links, they love links on Twitter. Um, Facebook, we always said was more like a dinner party where you go from the cocktail party to the dinner party. And I would say Instagram similar that way too, where you can have slower conversations with people and uh, you know, the content stays there longer and doesn't disappear. But um, so I just encourage people to put themselves out there. You know, it's so important though. I still am a very big believer in owning your own content. Um, with a blog, a website, um, you know, have that's your storefront and you do own that, own your own domain. Whereas, um, you know, these third party applications, Facebook owns your content, Instagram, Twitter, and, and we use them and they're very powerful, but they can shut you down. And I've had it happen to me. I've, I've posted something. They said, oh, that's nudity. And before you know it, they've locked your site down and you have to request, you know, that's what I mean. So you don't want to rely solely. It's better than nothing, though, if you don't have a website. But you should always be driving your traffic back to your own domain and, and your own your own storefront um, where your content is, your own content that you own. And uh, but I just encourage people to put themselves out there and if if an artist is afraid to be interviewed, you know, you're going to edit. <laughs> Hopefully you're going to edit <laughs> and uh, make it more comfortable on them. You know, going live is different. I'll be going live this next week 
but part of the, you know, people are really enjoying, like right now, everyone is on quarantine. All the talk show hosts, all the news broadcasters, they're all in their home. They're in their, they go from their day pajamas to their night pajamas, you know? And it's really interesting. We can get away with a lot being pretty casual. And if you screw up, you're human. And it actually makes you endearing, I think. That's my excuse, at least. So. <laughs> I, I, can totally, I can totally relate to the screwing up part. Um, <laughs> uh, exactly. You know, it, because, yeah, I, look, I'm a human being. But that was, the worst, that was the worst fear, especially going on YouTube. Like in the beginning, it I was thinking... Scary. Man, I, I can't I can't go onto YouTube. I, it has to be perfect. It has to be polished. And there was some. I made a post a while ago where I, I posted something on Instagram where I was trying to deliver my lines to the camera, and I just kept stumbling over one line after another after another, just to show people. I so I filmed it properly. That ended up going in the video. But I wanted to show, like, I had my mobile phone in 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 the background, just shooting this <laughs> thing, so people could see what it was actually like. And it was like pulling teeth. But people were like, "Wow, I actually had no idea." But there was something about that post that people were like, "Actually, I I, I like this so much more now. Like, this is that that was great to see. You, you know, it's like yeah. a, a, a kind of a human moment, so to speak." But there is something about that um, that way, you know. If you're an artist, you're putting yourself out there. I, I think there, there's such power in letting people know and showing them, "Hey, look, we're all the same. We're all in this together. We're all yes. doing this thing together." And and there's a real connection that that forms, you know. Yeah, I agree. I I don't know where this idea that you have to be perfect, polished you know, everything has to, I, I don't know where that idea came from. I mean, but it's out there, it's everywhere. And that was I something, know. especially that was in my, in my mind when I um, started mixing with, with some real big wigs and, you know, millionaires and billionaires and trying to get them to buy my paintings. They were bored of that polished kind of thing and they didn't want, oh, everybody yeah. was just kind of fussing around them. And then, so now we're sitting down having a real conversation. And it was suddenly, i just realized, I'm talking to somebody worth three and a half billion dollars right now. And it's like, and I'm just being myself. Like, and I, I, I couldn't. But they it, love that. Yeah. They want yeah. that. Really. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of, I don't know. It's kind of interesting though. It's just, if there's one thing that I, I would love to get out there is just, just be you and put yourself out right. there, you know, warts and all Absolutely. the whole, the whole thing in your PJs. Absolutely. Just be yourself <laughs> in your PJs. I know. And that's, what's really fun about the Instagram stories or the Facebook stories that I think are really a neat way to build your brand is just do little fun, goofy snippets. And you can add all these funny little gifts and things. And, and I'm going to talk about that in my webinar next week. Um, but I think that's a really fun way to have people peer into your life um, in your slippers or whatever, you know, and not worry, like you said, about being so perfect. Just be you. And if you are perfect, good for you, <laughs> you know, but um, just kind of have fun and don't take yourself too seriously. Um, angels fly because they don't take themselves seriously. They, they take themselves lightly so they can fly.
I like that a lot. Yeah. So the so this this webinar. Well, let let me let me ask you a few more things about this because, you know, you sure. seem to have. Uh, this is a thing I really really admire about you. You seem to have this streak where you actually really want to help other people get ahead with their art career. So this webinar that you're giving is this a free webinar? Is this just information you're just putting out there? It's free. Yes, it's going to be free. And um, awesome. and then. I was planning on starting a whole new website called the 2020 Club up until the other day. I've been working on this, and all of a sudden, it just wasn't feeling right to me because I already have fine art tips, and it's got thousands of wonderful bits of content um, that are evergreen. Evergreen means it doesn't have a shelf life, and so you can go dig in there and find all kinds of neat little gems of information to help with your art or your art business or whatever, social media. So I've decided now this is going to be a page that lives within finearttips.com. So, um, but it will be the 2020 club and I will send you the link in a day or so when I have that up and live. And uh, yes, I've always felt compelled. You know, I was the little girl saving baby birds and all of that. And I just have that in me, I guess. I, I do love to, to help people and I want people to be comfortable around me and I want them to be happy and it's my own little way of helping make the world a better place I guess and I try and do that through my art as well and just trying to be a good person and I feel like I I feel a responsibility when I have knowledge I feel like I have to share it I I just like to so I'll monetize in other ways um i you know, eventually we'll probably have some kind of, I have things that I sell on my site and that's indirect monetizing, but the webinar is going to be free. Uh, maybe sometime I'll start teaching um, some Zoom where I might charge a little bit uh, for specific teaching um, at my easel. And I might be doing that in the near future, but yeah, this will be free. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I will certainly be there and I would be watching with oh, interest. Yeah. That's, um, no, and I can't. I'd love to interview you someday. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, hopefully I have something, something intelligent to say. We'll see. Oh, I, think so. <laughs> I think so. Well, you know, it's, um, it's great. You know, I think, I think there still is a, a, a lot of room for hope and, and room for, you know, optimism despite what's going on in the world, I think also as artists, um, being creative thinkers, I, I think it's weird. We're a mixed bag, aren't we, as creatives? Because on one hand, I see us as being so sensitive and fragile. And, and yes. you know, we feel all of this stuff going on around us. We're, we're feelers, you know? And then, and then um, but at the same time, we, we've got this ability to be light on our feet and think in creative ways that are outside of the box and go, oh, wait, there's another way I could go around this. The same thing that you would apply to a composition and a painting is the same thing you could apply to your business, which is something I, right. I just find so fascinating. And this is a thing that gets me, you know, with a lot of people still holding on to old paradigms that seem to be falling by the wayside. Um, you know, there, again, I, I keep coming back to this one comment on a YouTube video where a guy was like, you know what? No, nah, I don't, I don't, I don't dig social media at all. It's just empty. It's all about the numbers. I'm like, dude, if that's the way you feel, you're missing out on an opportunity here. I don't feel that yeah, at all. I, I, I don't, no. I feel it's about community. I feel like it's about, oh, like, it totally is. You're building your community, your tribe, uh, your network. And it, I mean, 
you and I met, I believe, social media through Sam. And uh, I met him, and then I met you. And I would never have met you guys. And we had such a fun day in New Zealand together. And I just love it. We're all still in touch. And and that's the power of social media. I mean, social media truly has changed my life for the better. It's opened up doors and opportunities. Um, I've made DVDs. I've written books. I'm a contributor to all kinds of um, magazines and books. And none of that would have happened had I not uh, started a blog and used social media to get my message out there. And so I find it really, really valuable and important. And if that person feels that way, then maybe it's just not for that person. And, uh, and that's okay too, you know, hopefully they have another way that's working. But you know, one thing that I think is interesting when you talk about the sensitivity of, sensitivity of an artist and all, um, artists are manifestors naturally, and they need to understand how to take what they can do on canvas or in a third dimension. You have to visualize something and then you create it, right? you manifest that vision into a tangible form. So why can't we do that in business, right? So we've got to just train ourselves that you have that confidence and you can do that. Exciting things happen in recessions and in depressions. Um, mighty empires have been built during the hardest times. Disney was founded during a depression. Um, I mean, I mean, you go through, there's a long list of, of household names that have um, risen through the, from the ashes during repressions, depressions, and war, wartime. So we can do it now too. And uh, you just have to have the confidence. And like you said, it's, it's another kick in the pants just to not let yourself uh, be afraid of rejection and failure and just keep going and keep doing your best and um, keep striving and, and thinking of new ideas. You know, it's interesting. I, I was talking to, um, well, one of, one of the early podcast guests, uh, his name was Dr. Martini was one of the contributors mm -hmm. to the, the movie, The Secret. And he's a personal development speaker, mm -hmm. motivational type guy. Uh, really, I love that. Re really, really interesting guy. And um, he, um, he was talking in one of his presentations once about the different centers of the brain that when we're stressed out, the blood flow seems to go to the reptilian part of the brain, you know, that, that base structure, which basically is very binary. It's got either fight or flight, and it can only react, and it, it is reactive, and it's, it's a very on or off type thing, binary. But when, when we're thinking about something creative, when we're not in a fight or flight state and we're, we're just in more of a flow state, we have these centers of the brain that are available to us in our, you know, prefrontal lobes here right. that, that uh, you know, are responsible for that creative thought. There's something interesting, though. When we get fearful or stressed out, that blood flow is restricted right back to that uh, that reptilian brain, and we go straight into a binary nature. And that's how we could, you know, if we're watching the news or we're getting stressed or fearful, we're no longer thinking creatively. It's like, oh, no, this is all – it's all turned to custard. Like, what are we going to mm -hmm. do? Oh, no. And, and then suddenly now – you're not going to paint your best painting. You're not going to sculpt your best sculpture. You're not going to be able to do the creative things that you have to do. And you're certainly not going to make good business decisions. 
you know, in, right. in that in that sort of situation. And I think there's, you know, there's something to be said for for looking at, okay. Let's say, let's say a recession does come. And I, I've said this in, in, in some episodes and maybe some episodes that are due to come out as well, that we're probably looking at a recession or a depression. So in that situation, are all of the opportunities just gone? No, there's still going to no. be loads because we can look back in the past and we can see that, my goodness, you know, IBM, Disney, uh, uh, all, yes. all of these, you know, massive companies were started you know think right. about coca-cola sold yes. out the wazoo during the depression exactly you know there's still opportunities i know absolutely and you know a way to help um, mitigate that response is to have some quiet and meditate you know and pray you know if if you're open to that idea and and uh, that helps that helps move that back into the creative cortex of the brain. And if you can kind of push through that feeling and just honestly painting and drawing is a meditation in itself. And if you can just push through uh, that inertia that's trying to keep you from doing what you really should be doing that will that will make you more at ease if you can even just going for a walk. And I know right now it's really hard. Not everybody is able to. But like yesterday, I was kind of feeling like that. I was a little down and missing people in my normal life and um, not feeling real creative. And I was able to luckily be able to go out for a hike. And I would, you know, I felt like taking a nap, but I felt so much better after I just got out there and forced myself to, to kind of push through that gloomy feeling. So I just think people need to take charge right now and be kind to themselves and um, when they start feeling gloomy and not feeling like they should um, be painting, I think they should go paint. I think Van Gogh said something like, when you hear that voice in your head that says you can't paint, he said, paint and that voice will be silenced. And I really believe that to be true. You know, Van Gogh was a really tortured guy, but I, he was switched on in so many ways. I think he really I love Van Gogh. he he understood so much about the the artist's life and and he's very sensitive. Yeah, what what an incredibly sensitive person. Yeah, but yeah, he's a real hero of mine too. I just I just did yeah. you have you seen the museum? No, I've I, never I, museum. Never never <gasps> been. That's no. amazing. They're struggling right now. I've heard so. Any love you can shoot to the Van Gogh Museum, um, you know, do that. Um, Maybe they just but could it's... sell one of the originals. <laughs> I, I don't know. Sorry. Sorry. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, help them out. Buy a painting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, museums, it, they're going through tough times right now, too. Uh, but I love that museum. That was an incredible man, his story. Mm. I, I uh, was able to visit there. This last May after I taught in, uh, I, I've been teaching in Monet's Gardens for quite a few years, and uh, I did that, and then I took the train on up to Amsterdam and then went to the museum. It was really special. I, I remember you saying that, that you taught for a while yeah. at, at, at Monet's Garden. What was that like? That would have been incredibly cool. Very incredible. So again, this goes back to the power of social media. I was invited, oh gosh, it's been about five or six years now, to Atlanta to um, 
to be at a big trade show uh, teaching social media. To They're breaking off into groups and um, and also product demonstration. And so I was giving a big lecture. And afterwards, some people came up to me and, and invited me, this real exclusive group that they have permission to take small groups of artists into the gardens and asked me if I'd like to lead um, a workshop. And so we started this really great relationship that lasted up until this last year. And now um, they have just changed the rules there and they're not allowing groups in there anymore to paint. They, There were only a few groups allowed and we were able to go before the gardens opened. So first thing in the morning, we'd be at the doors at seven in the morning. We could stay there till about 8.30. And then um, in the evenings after the doors closed, we'd show up at five and we could stay till about eight at night. And it, it was just eight of us, 10 of us and the gardeners. It just, it's one of the coolest things I've ever done. And I just treasure it. And I'm hoping um, my contact's gonna go talk to them in person and hopefully we'll be able to maybe get back in there. But right now, um, people abused the privilege, not our group, but there was another group and they closed the doors on that. So that's changed a little bit. Dang, yeah, yeah. It's it, it that that'd be so cool to see. One day I, I hope to get there and You've see got it for to myself. Get there. Yeah. And just the little town of Giverny, the um the history, uh the Americans that used to go there and then the French that would be there, very uh wonderful time back in history where they all painted at the turn of the century and it's just amazing, and it's very much intact the way it was back then. It's just a tiny little village. Um, barely anybody lives there and barely any cars, a lot of cows and pastures. It's very pastoral and beautiful, but the gardens are incredible. And what a gift he left us all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you so know... I'll be back. Um, if, if, oh, I, was, I just interrupted. I just yeah, go, to say, please, please supposed to be going back to New Zealand to teach a workshop in um, March, uh, the end of February, early March 2021. So I'm oh, hoping cool. I'll be back there. Yeah. Oh, great. And, uh, we'll have to go out painting. So, absolutely. I know. I can't wait. So I've, I started advertising right before this happened, and then I've decided just to wait. It doesn't feel appropriate, really. Um, so I'll hopefully be able to get that class filled and be back over there. Hmm. Okay. So I'm excited. Yeah. I, 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 I wanna... have a little, um, my jade, my jade bracelet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. You still got that one. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's brilliant. So go ahead. Sorry. I, I just, I want to, um, I, I do want to insert something into into the conversation again here. Something that popped into my mind that oh. it was, it was something I was thinking about this morning, actually, Laurie, where you know, I, I sometimes on this podcast, we talk a lot about um, success and how to be a successful artist. I'm talking to successful artists. And then I, I was thinking this morning, what does that word even mean? And what does being oh. successful even mean? Like, what's that? What's that about? And I was, you know, talking to my wife by the fire this morning, and we were just kind of reflecting on this a little bit. I used to, 
early in my career, you know, when things were taken off, I, I was very success conscious and very uh, motivated and, and still I'm motivated and driven. Absolutely. But then if you had asked me, I wanted to just be this top selling artist. I wanted to live in a mansion. I just, I wanted to, you know, drive a real fancy car. I like, I wanted all of this stuff. And then the older I get, the more my definition of success is changing. It's just something interesting. I was wondering if, if you wouldn't mind talking on that a little bit as well. But what the realization that I had was, look, the only space that matters, and I tell you what really started, okay, I'm jumping all over the place again. The place I really started thinking about this, I, I had to set up a studio here at home in the corner. I have this now, this brand new studio that is massive. And um, it's in an old building, an old warehouse. The building was empty and derelict. You know, there was, there was nothing going to happen with this building. It had been on the market for years. I got in touch with the landlord, ended up becoming a friend. And, and uh, you know, he's a great guy. And he just offered me a great deal on the rent. And he knew it was going to be occupied and somebody would fix it up. But then... You know, it wasn't going to get damaged. It would have some upkeep to it. But I got a really massive studio for cheap. That's and so then, then I had to move back into the house, set up this easel in the corner. Somebody commented on the post saying, well, now you know what it's like. You know, now you know what it's <laughs> like to, to, for the rest of us. I've been, I've had a studio in the corner of the room for years. Like I always knew what that was like. That's, that's where I, that's where I lived, you know, but it caused me to think about what does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to be, you know, really, truly, I guess, happy. And I realized through this, this has been a massive reset for myself. And I know for many others out there, I've just kind of thought, you know what? It ain't about that. It's about the two feet between me and that painting. That's the only space that matters. Who cares how big the space is? You know, it, do it doesn't matter. And then it was like, well, what does success look like even? What does being a successful artist look like? Does it, does it mean I have to have this huge studio? And I thought, no, success for me looks like owning my own home, which is a little home. We got a tiny little house here in the South mm -hmm. Island and it's, you know, it was built in 1875, but it's a nice little, little, you know, piece of property, nice little plot of land. It was not expensive at all. And it's because we're so far out, you know, we're, we're in this little yeah, tiny town, a beautiful and, area, it, it, a tiny little town in the middle of nowhere, practically, but it's a <laughs> bright spot. But then I was thinking, what else does that mean? It means having my own garden, maybe some chickens, maybe, you know, raising a family. But I started thinking it ain't about the money. It ain't about, you know, having a mansion. It ain't about. A... So I think what's really important for me was just this, this idea of going, no, I need to redefine what that means. I really need to redefine and go, okay, I want to be a successful artist. Wait, stop right there. What does success mean to you? I love that. I love exactly. And you've done this at a fairly young age too, just to have that maturity to, um, you know, that's more how I feel like that. But maybe when I was a bit younger, I still was striving more so. Um, but I think success is very relative, just like the word rich. What is rich? You know, um, of course we look at billionaires okay we know they're rich but at what point is someone rich it's it's very relative and it's personal and um and i would agree with you about success and 
and also it extends beyond just myself. Um, as far as my own personal success, I want my kids to be successful and, and knowing that I and successful for them, what does that mean? I want them to be happy and, and healthy and, um, good citizens and that whole thing, um, loving people that I've put out in the world and hopefully they'll go out and make the world a better place. And, and so to me, that is successful when my kids are successful. And as far as my art career goes, um, it's nice to, I've always wanted, um, and, and you don't always get it, but, um, uh, appreciation from, or respect maybe from, from your fellow artists from your peers. That's always nice. And I think in ways that's what partly the draw is with social media in a way. Um, you put a, you can kind of see how a painting's being received and if you're on the right track or not. And not that you should fully rely on that, but I think that's a little bit of the draw that happens with it. And um, sometimes it, it, is helpful to know if you're kind of going in the right direction. If you're thinking about painting a series and, and you're on the fence and you put something up there and, and you get a lot of accolades about something, maybe, okay, maybe I should continue the theme, you know, but again, it's success has to stem from inside. It's an inside job. So it is more than an outside job. I would agree. I, I, I like that. Success is an inside job. I like that. That's a, mm -hmm. that's, that's a nice little takeaway there. Um, <laughs> you know, it, yeah, it, I, I, it just was, it was something I was thinking about today. And, you know, I, I never really stopped and took the time to go, hang on a second, because I think what, what focusing on things that are so external, you know, when, when our focus is outside of ourselves and we're chasing, 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 trying to get the thing. And, and if I get the thing, then I'll be happy. If I get that thing, then I'll be able to finally accept myself. And the minute I stopped doing that was the minute I actually started going, hang on a second, there's more to this than just yes. getting the thing or getting the money or getting the, the house, yeah. the car, the whatever. That, and especially as an artist, it's like, no, it's not about that. To, to me, you know, being an artist, it's all about growth. It's all about taking that responsibility for yourself and, and just showing up to the easel and pouring your heart and right. soul out. And what do we really need now? I think this is the other thing as well. Like we're, we're starting to realize, you know, just being stuck in the house, what do we really need? And, and I, I'm thinking now like, well, we don't really need to go out to eat. There's nowhere in town to toilet go out paper. to. Yeah, toilet paper. <laughs> toilet paper. Seriously. I know. Isn't that true, though? Just <laughs> a month ago, we're down to the bare <laughs> essentials. Like, it was it was scary at first when this happened. Yeah. We. Yeah. <laughs> I was just so excited when I could get toilet paper and paper towels <laughs> and soap. <laughs> I, you know, I saw this thing coming. I saw it coming. I said to Rachel, it was a couple of weeks, you know, she normally does the grocery shopping about an hour away in a, in a city called Dunedin. And I said, look, the, the, the it's, it's going to hit the fan. The proverbial is going to hit the fan. Yep. Uh, go down to the store, buy all the toilet paper. So why? Just trust me. Just trust me. Because when, when it really goes down, we could turn around and sell those things for $10 a piece. Just there you <laughs> go. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No. 
<laughs> but no. but you do. You you oh, you have this you have this reset and this shift in your focus where you're like, you know, it's what true. what what it's, what is important? It's been very and grounded. The the most important thing for me now I, I'm starting to realize it's it's like and I don't mean this to sound all like lovey-dovey, airy-fairy, but it's about relationships. It's about the relationships with our significant other, and, you know, for me, yes. my creator, but also like it, it, relationships with those people in your community. Do you know your neighbors? Right. You know? Yes, you know? I, I do. And and they're nicer now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they that's the thing. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. And, and you know, um, it's cute. The neighbor's to my left they just bought i saw them last week had a big gathering and they had all their lounge chairs lounge chairs out and they had like a, a fire pit and they had a bit of a cocktail party one night which you know you're not supposed to be doing that but they had all the seats you know 10 or 15 feet apart from each other so the couples i just saw them as i was walking by and then today i noticed they just bought all this new lawn furniture so they're going to be planning more outdoor parties but but I've never seen them have a party before. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Um, but it's true, the relationships and staying in touch. And and uh, it, it's interesting how much Zoom has taken off and Skype and yeah. all these other um, online ways to communicate. Mm. I'm communicating more with my extended family now than I have in years. We talk every Sunday now. We have a family zoom meeting so wow. um we now we're definitely connecting more so yeah. good's coming out of this yeah that I is awesome so. yeah and i i'll say that yeah definitely for me too connecting a lot more with friends and family via yeah. skype whereas before yeah. it's like it's like no i'm too busy i'm sorry and I, and I was always the guy that was just running around and i was too busy too busy too busy and i'm busy but now it's like yeah come on what are you doing you can't pick up the phone and call you can't pick up the phone and, and right. skype somebody and you know, make that connection. Um, it's been awesome. Yeah, you know, I've been talking to you know, I've been talking to my buddy Sam a lot more. We're gonna get him on the podcast and talk all oh, about good. talk all about cryptocurrency. I will. I will. <laughs> exactly. He awesome. moved north, didn't he? He's he's way up the top of the North Island of New Zealand, yeah. and uh, it's yeah. beautiful up there. I mean, New Zealand for the most part can be pretty cold and it's pretty isolated, but. You can grow bananas up there, the far north yeah. of the North Island, and all sorts of tropical fruit. So he's he's loving it, and he's he's Good an avid Sam. gardener, and um, yeah, yeah, he's loving life. He's got he's got a son now who's who's a little over one, and um, Theodore is just is just a gorgeous kid. He's just he's a little. Oh, I bet. Yeah, they're very happy. Him and Sinead and, and, and his family. It's 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 wonderful. So I'm no, I'm looking forward to having him on the podcast and uh, catching up with him. But uh, I, I will certainly tell him you said hi. Okay, good. Well, Laurie, this has been a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for coming onto the show. It's been a pleasure having you here on the Creative Endeavor podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to see you. And I hope to see you in New Zealand in March 2021. Can't wait. Can't wait. Thanks, Laurie. Thank you. Well, I really hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the Creative Endeavor podcast and a huge thank you to Lori McNee for joining me. Make sure you follow Lori McNee on Instagram and also find her on her website. 
www.finearttips.com. Now, there was mention here in this podcast of a webinar that's coming up. You have just a small window of opportunity to sign up for that free webinar. It's going to go live on the 28th of April. Simply go to finearttips.com slash 2020 dash club dash invite. That's finearttips.com slash 2020 dash club dash invite. And I'm going to make that link available in the description of this episode. So just go back to the menu from where you're listening to this episode. You'll find that description there with the link. Now, just for full transparency, Lori paid me nothing to mention this. In fact, I consider Lori to be a friend of mine. I think she's got some amazing insights and some really great tips and tricks when it comes to social media. And there's certainly gonna be some things there that I'm gonna be watching out for and looking for. And I'm always looking for a new strategy to apply to my business. So I figured, hey, if it was good for me, I'm sure it'd be good for you as well. I hope to see you there at that webinar. And a huge thank you to Lori for making that information freely available. Now, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast. I really appreciate your company. It's been awesome hanging out for this little while. And again, a big thank you to Lori for joining me for this episode. Now, if you want to find out more about me, you know where to go, www.andrewtischler.com. If you got a spare second, then please just take a moment to leave me a rating or a review on whatever audio platform you're listening on. It makes a huge difference to the show, and I really appreciate that extra little bit of effort. The show is climbing in the charts. More and more people are finding this, and I have you to thank for that. So thank you so much. I can't wait to hang out with you once again in another episode of The Creative Endeavor. Thank you.